Well, good morning. It's good to be together again, right? I mean, to be able to step out and get out into the world a little bit and, and to be social, that's a blessing, isn't it? To be able to be around people. Uh, I'm glad that you're here and thank you for taking the opportunity to step out of the world for a minute and, and come to church. These things are things that we learn to value. Community and relationships are important. You're just never going to be able to replace them, particularly in-person relationships. They just mean a lot. And I also want to say welcome to our online family. You're equally as important, and you're realizing even today how important community is and how important it is to be together as a family, uh, even if right now you're getting a luxury that those in the room are not getting, because perhaps at 11 o'clock you actually just rolled out of bed, you're still in your pajamas, you have your coffee, and listen, I know that you're probably enjoying that. Uh, here's the thing, though. Don't, don't just take that for granted. It's a blessing now, but there is a truth from the word that God's people have always, since the beginning of the church, gathered together. So we all need to be praying right now uh, over this season of life in our country. God help us. God help our country. God help the world. Let's get this thing pushed back so that we can do um, what the church has always done. Because even in times of great challenge and persecution, Believers gathered together in corporate gatherings of worship and also in small groups of community. Uh, we're going to be talking more about that in the future. But today we're in our summer book series, the book of 1 Peter. So go on and get your Bibles and turn there. Chapter 2, we're going to pick right up in verse 11. Uh, we've been walking through this book of 1 Peter together. And the reality is months ago uh, when it looked like we would be extending through this season of life here, um, as we know it, I began to search for a book in scripture uh, that would fit during the summer window, but yet we could walk through it verse by verse and it would be applicable to where we live, what we're going through in the, the seasons, the, the season of life that we're in. First Peter's that book. And as we've gone through, we've, we've dealt with some things that we see him facing as a person, as a human being. And what you're going to realize as we look today is, is quite frankly, today's passage, you're going to see that he, as a person, as a human, dealt with some of the same emotions, challenges, thoughts, feelings that you and I deal with. And yet he had a higher vision to be able to say, okay, Jesus, you've got to help me live through this. Jesus, you've got to help me understand how to process this world because there's a lot coming at me. And you're going to see that as we look at verse 11 together. So let me get you to stand together with me if you're in the room uh, as we read together God's word. First Peter chapter 2 verse 11. For those of you online, you'll, you'll see the words so you'll be able to see that there for you today. And, and look at how he begins before he does this deep dive into some real pressing issues of his generation. He begins it very appropriately by saying, beloved, what an endearing way to talk to God's people. And you've got to remember the context. He wrote to Christians, people who claimed the name of Christ, who, who believed in Jesus as their savior and the one who had rescued them and who was their Lord. And so all of them living all around the world, scattered, dealing with various trials, he calls them beloved. And then he goes on with what they need to know in the next part of his letter. Beloved, I urge you 
as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Gentiles would have been a word for the unbelievers. Uh, It was just kind of you were a believer or you were an unbeliever. And so keep your behavior excellent among those who are not following Jesus so that in the thing in which they slander you as an evildoer, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men and women, of foolish people. Act as free men and women and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if When you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin And live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep. But now, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father. These words go against everything that we are as people. We can't do this in our humanity and in our flesh. Something in this pertains to each and every one of us. And so we stop and we ask you to do what we really cannot do for ourselves. 
speak to our hearts, change our attitudes, help our actions to be reflective of those who are beloved following Christ. And help us to see that today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today, uh, as I look at this passage, uh, how appropriate it is for the world that we live in today. And I want to give you really the title of the talk today of the message um, is Strangers and Aliens. Strangers and Aliens. Because right after Simon Peter says, Beloved, you are beloved, then, then he gives them a title. And, and it, it's not so flattering, is it? Um, strangers and Aliens. Aliens and strangers. Now, now listen, many of you, you were taught or you taught your kids, uh, don't talk to strangers, right? Um, and then aliens, who knows about that one, right? Everybody's got an opinion on that one. But that's not what he's talking about. What, what Peter's referencing here is this reality that I want to share with you today. And I know that you feel this. I feel this. Many of you feel this. I, I, I think that Simon Peter is recognizing as a, as a man, as a human being, as a person who loves Jesus, who's been saved by Jesus, who has found his life being changed, his attitudes being changed, his actions being changed by Jesus and only Jesus. I think Simon Peter realized what you and I realize today. Heaven is the easy part. Really. Heaven is easy. I mean, heaven is the guarantee for you as a follower of Christ that is quite frankly the easiest and most simple thing that you will experience as a Christian. Why, why is that? Well, it's Jesus who did the work to pay the penalty on the cross to save us. It's Jesus who did that. It's Jesus who lived a perfect sinless life so that his sacrifice would actually count for something. It's Jesus who bore in his body all the punishment and all the pain and all the ridicule of this world and also of God the Father so that you and I would not have to. It's Jesus who did that. And, and then it's just a matter of faith on our part. It's faith on our part to say, Jesus... Thank you, I received that gift of life that you purchased for me on the cross. And by faith, I've asked you to come into my life. And I believe in you, and I love you, and I'm going to follow you. And therefore, when you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus, you're a child of God. And we even sang a song about it a moment ago. There is a home in heaven that is yours. It's guaranteed. It is promised in Scripture. Uh, Jesus talked about it for all those who would believe in Him, just like they believe in God, that they would believe in Him, they would follow Him. There is a place that is a home for you, and it's guaranteed, and it's in a place that is not of this world. So guess what? Heaven's the easy part, but this world's not. And that's the reality that Simon Peter had to share. And if you'll recall, he shared that with Christians dealing with various challenges and trials scattered throughout the world. 
And this was pre this major historical persecution that would come against Christians. Yeah, there was persecution going on, but it wasn't fully systematic yet at this point. That did happen at another point, and it became full-fledged against anyone who claimed the name of Christ. But around the world, there were some places where people were still free to express their faith in Jesus without a total persecution toward them. Yet they still lived in the world. And Simon Peter helped them understand that whatever it is you are facing and dealing with, you're really a stranger in this world. You're really like an alien in this world. And that's the real challenge for you and I today as we think about it as well, is that so many times what we struggle with, what's the real source of stress and anxiety and problems in our life, is that we really are clinging trying to make this world our home. Everything about our flesh fights to fit in in some capacity. That's who we are. That's who we are as people. That is a part of our humanity. And yes, even in the last verse that we read of this chapter, we, like sheep, we wander through this world and we wander searching for our way and we can be a part of the flock of Christ, part of the family of Christ, but we're going to search to fit in. We're going to search to belong. We're going to search to believe in something and stand for something and we're going to do that. And Simon Peter, having lived a long and a full life, a life of failures and a life of fulfillment in Christ. He ultimately came to this conclusion and he pins this to Christians then. And it's powerful for you and I today. He pins these words that says, you really in this world don't fit in. You're just not going to. You're going to try. You're going to enjoy it because God made it. There are going to be some things that are good. But yet in all of the battles of your heart, of your mind, your emotions, your flesh, your desires, you're really an alien. You're really a stranger. So how do we live then in this world, in a world that is broken and fragmented, where we're pulled in all kinds of directions, where we have choices to make, we have feelings and opinions about things, uh, we want to fight for things that are ours or that we believe in. How do we navigate all of that? Well, Simon Peter always, and this is a powerful letter, he always begins with Jesus. The beginning and the end of how we live as followers of Christ always centers around Jesus. And so, as aliens and strangers, but yet as beloved of God, as the children of God, as the family of God, we learn from Simon Peter that Jesus is, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you, you want to write this one down. Jesus is the shepherd who guides us toward the right attitudes and actions in this world. Jesus is the shepherd. And as a shepherd, he guides his children, his flock, those who trust him. He guides us toward the right attitudes and the right actions in this world. And the reality of the world in which we live and, and how we process life, uh, it's not all about actions. Actions flow from attitudes and attitudes flow from the heart. 
What we do is a reflection of who we are. How we respond comes from something on the inside. And we need Jesus not just to sanitize our actions. We need him to guide us in our attitudes. We need him to speak to us about who we are. And that's the hardest thing about being a follower of Christ as you live. Heaven's the easy part. And by the way, in this season of life, I've spoken with a a lot of people. and, and, And like you, there are many who are like, Jesus, just come back. This has been too hard. This is difficult. Or or some people are thinking, yes, this is the time that Jesus is going to come back. Christians throughout history have gone through moments that are greatly challenging. And and they suffer. And they don't know. and, And yet there's this clinging to a home that is not of this world. But yet, until the day of your visitation, which Simon Peter references and we'll talk about. Until the day of your visitation of you seeing Jesus Face to face, you live as an alien and as a stranger in this world. And so, therefore, we need help. It's a meantime. What do you do in the meantime between earth and heaven? This home and your eternal home. How do you do it? We need a guide. Simon Peter calls him a shepherd. And a shepherd loves his flock. A shepherd realizes that he desires what is best for his flock. He cares about them. He wants them to get to the best place for them. And you and I don't understand that analogy. It's not like we see a lot of pastures around in our city. We see a lot of buildings, right? You don't see uh, too many people out today dressed in full garb and carrying a staff walking around with sheep in the middle of your street, right? You don't see that. So, so we don't really understand that analogy as much today as they would have in that generation. But yet it's perfect for us to understand That a shepherd is someone who genuinely cares and guides his flock. And the analogy is for the children of God, the believers in Christ around the world in that generation. The same is true today of you and I. We belong to him. And he is the good shepherd. He called himself that in the gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd takes care of his sheep. And his sheep know him. They know his voice. And to know how to navigate the pastures of this world, the moments of this world, the difficulties of this world, we've got to have the good shepherd speak into our attitudes and our actions while we're aliens and strangers. So Simon Peter lays out some things. He lays out a a couple of scenarios, some challenges, some things that quite frankly, and I could not have prepared for this, but yet they are very appropriate for you today. Because he lists some issues, by the way, that the world has always faced. They've always been through. There's nothing new under the sun. The devil has been playing this game since the beginning with all of us at in humanity, and he's pretty good at dividing and conquering. He's pretty good at, at making the sheep wander. He's pretty good at making us fail, but yet we are aliens and strangers in this world. And while he's working out his terms in this world, we belong to a better kingdom. And Simon Peter points all of the Christians of that generation, likewise you and I, to Jesus as the shepherd who could guide us. 
And so I'm going to give you two points today. They're actually two questions. And they frame all of the verses that we're going to look at. Two questions. As we walk through what Simon Peter was working through with the people of God then, these two questions will help you frame your attitudes and your actions of your world now. And as you follow Jesus in this, you likewise will be able to see that as the shepherd, he can guide and navigate your attitudes and your actions as a child of God for someone living not really of this world. Here's the first question. If you're taking notes, we've talked about the fact that Jesus is our guide, he's our shepherd, and attitudes and actions are really a part of how we live, but in that, two questions that will help us navigate this world. The first one is this. Ask yourself this question, am I glorifying God? Am I glorifying God? Simon Peter, he walks through several different, very practical situations with the children of God then. And, and here's what happens. Um, we, as people, we want to deal with one particular issue or another. We want to deal in this world with the issue that is important to us. So you look around the world, you watch the news, and what you see is that people deal with issues that are very important to them. But there's a better way to process this world and navigate it according to the issue that really is your issue or my issue. There's a better way. And the, the better way is to say to yourself, am I glorifying God in my attitudes and in my actions with how I'm navigating life in this world? It's a higher perspective, and it's much needed by the church and by Christians today. And quite frankly, it may be lacking more than we realize. Am I glorifying God with my attitudes and my actions? Notice how he walks through this. He, he mentions some things, and we could get lost in these things as separate issues. But I want you to see how the question of whether or not we glorify God in attitude and actions answers all of them. And, and quite frankly, it will answer whatever your challenge may be today. He, he begins after calling them beloved and recognizing that they are aliens and strangers in this world. He talks about fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Well, that looks different for everybody in this world. It really does. It, it affects every human person in some capacity or another. And he identifies what the real battle is. It's not really the lust. It's what it does to your soul. It wages war against you as a person. And so you could fill in the gap with whatever that issue is that, that you deal with or that you don't want anybody to know that you deal with or, or that you want to blame everybody else because they deal with it and you don't deal with it. You could fill in the gap, right? Uh, but, but the bigger issue is, is how is that waging war or what is the fleshly thing in your life, being human, that wages war against you? Because as an alien and as a stranger in this world, there's something that's going to battle against your soul, against your heart, against your mind. It's going to consume who you are. It is. You're human. How do you overcome that? Well, God, through this process, how can I glorify you 
as this desire or this challenge comes against me? How can I bring you glory in that? He, he not only stops there, I mean, he spells out your behavior amongst those who are unbelievers. Basically, he's saying, you know, that maybe those who don't believe will actually see how you respond to things in this world. And they will acknowledge that you respond differently. And in the day of visitation, they would glorify God. The day of visitation, what a, what a great Phrase That day of visitation phrase is twofold, by the way. It's, it's not in there by accident. All of us will have a day of visitation. The day of visitation is either first and foremost uh, the moment that you will face Jesus because your time on this earth is done. Everybody's guaranteed that. Everyone. And that's the moment where everyone, every human man, every human woman, every person will face God. And, and, and yes... We will be visited. We will see Jesus face to face. And there, there's that moment where we will stand accountable for what we stood for. We will. And therefore, perhaps that's your day of visitation. Or, or maybe it's the second one. The second one is very obvious in Scripture. Scripture talks about this one a lot. The second day of visitation is the one where God eventually says, Enough is enough. I'm done. Roll it up, shut it down, the act is over, it's time. We're entering into a new phase of eternity where I will receive glory forever and I'm just not going to put up with that anymore. In that moment, Jesus returns. The Bible is very clear about it, spoken from beginning to end. The Bible is very clear. It will happen. As a matter of fact, many people, and some of you perhaps, in these seasons, in this season of life, you have thought, Jesus is coming back. Praise God. He'll be here tomorrow. He might. But what do you do in the meantime? What do you do if this is not the time? I mean, generations of Christians, and I think Simon Peter lived in that as well. Generations of Christians have thought, he's coming back. It'll be tomorrow. The world's gone crazy. This is bad. God, you're coming. And yet, you're here, right? Or if you're not here, you're there. You're here. But either way, there's a day of visitation where we have to face God for who we are. How do we face Him? Well, the reality is with my attitudes and my actions, am I living my life in such a way that will bring Him glory? Through the battles, through the challenges, through the attitudes, am I living my life in such a way that will bring Him glory? And then Simon Peter, after he moves beyond this day of visitation, then he gives some specifics. And I'm going to tell you, this perhaps reflects where some of you are. He talks about submitting yourselves for the Lord's sake. Not for your sake. Not for someone else's sake. For the Lord's sake. To every human institution, whether to a king as the one who has authority, or to governors as those sent by him, what's the purpose? For punishment of evil and praise of good. For this is the will of God. You ever wonder what the will of God is? God, what's your will for my life? God, I, I just want to know your will. God, just reveal your will. This is the will of God. That by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish people. Act as free, but do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, 
but use it as bond slaves of God. Wow. Now, think about the world in which we live. What a great challenge. But I, I want to put it in perspective for you when you think about bringing glory to God. I recognize that both in this family of faith, in our online family, and around the world, we as believers struggle. We are challenged at the core in our humanity because something within us wants us to be right. And even in the family of God, there become great divisions over things in this world. How we think about it, how we feel about it, what we believe about it. That's what happens in this world. It happens. It's a part of our humanity. It's part of our feeling. It's a part of our brokenness. But it's interesting that Simon Peter would list some things that are still true today. He would bring up some things that are quite real for us today. And here's the thing. None of us in this room, or none of you in our online family, none of us, no one, none of us chose where we were born. None of us got to choose who our parents were. None of us got to choose the circumstances in this world. And therefore, this concept that Simon Peter begins to proclaim that we are truly aliens in this world, strangers in this world, not really belonging to this world, but belonging to someone greater. It's very important for us to recognize that because here's what even happens in our world today. You've seen it and perhaps you felt it and perhaps you're still dealing with it. And I understand. I get it in our humanity. We get lost in our opinions about things like this. We get lost in our feelings about things like this. Why? Because we're planting our feet in this world. We start as beloved aliens and strangers to go, I'm not an alien and I'm not a stranger. This is my home. And as we begin to fight for the things of this world that have been broken since the beginning. And as we begin to stake our claims one way or another, division, anger, hatred begins to fester even amongst the beloved. And Simon Peter knew there is no way in humanity for any of us to overcome that. There is no way to be able to battle that in this world without Jesus. Without an attitude and an action that had been turned around by the king. You see, in this passage, here's what's interesting is that even perhaps today, there are some who go, um, man, I... I support the king, you know. Man, I love what's happening today. And then there's some, even in the family of faith, that would say, I hate what's happening today. You know, the unique thing about you and I and, and, and where we are, even though we didn't get the choice in who we were born to or where we were born, but being a part of where we are today, at least you get to choose. At least you get to choose. And you get to choose, by the way, also your attitude and your action in response to that as well as a child of God. But let's be fair for just a moment if we can. The world's not just about you or me. The world's not just about our little microcosm, which is maybe perhaps our community, 
uh, maybe our city, um, maybe our state, or maybe our nation. The world's a whole lot bigger than that. Matter of fact, uh, the world is a whole lot bigger than perhaps even your ideology about how you would approach the way that people should live. Do you realize that there are people that are born into places who will never get a choice, who will always be persecuted, who will always be put down, and who will never escape? And that's what they were born into. And, And in our world, boy, we can say, well, everybody should be like us, but that's not how the world will ever work. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because we're fallen, we're broken, and we are people that continually fight for what we believe is the best way for everybody else. And there's only one, and Simon Peter learned this. He had to live, by the way, in a kingdom, in a culture, where people were persecuted. Where if you didn't agree, it would cost you your livelihood and ultimately physically your life. This letter, as I mentioned, was written previous, but not too long, about a couple of years, before there becomes this wholesale, full persecution against every Christian. And they were murdered for believing in Jesus. Simon Peter himself would give his life crucified upside down and mocked and spit upon and made fun of. Why? Because he followed Jesus. Today you look and you go, well, that that could never happen. And I'm not one of those fear mongers, by the way, that says that's where it's going to go. But here's the thing. As you fight for your cause and your right and all that, just recognize that throughout all of history, the beloved, the Christians, really were always aliens and strangers. Those who follow Jesus never really are going to fit in. Why? Because your attitudes and your actions are dictated by someone else. And he goes on and he talks about, as people, you will honor these people for the Lord's sake. He goes on and he talks about, this is what it would look like. To glorify God is to honor all people. Honor all people. And one of the things I've learned about living in this world, the world does not play by Jesus' rules. They don't play by your Bible rules. Um, Sometimes we don't play by the Bible rules. But this is who Jesus is. Honor all people. He he goes on and he says, love the church, love the brotherhood, the believers. Fear God. Fear God more than you fear people. Fear God more than you fear consequences. Fear God more than you fear sickness. Fear God for God is the one in which we will have a visitation one day. Fear him and honor the king. And there's no way in life to honor an earthly authority. There's no way in life for us to do that and do that well if we don't honor the heavenly king. I, you look at it again, and I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm human like you. We have feelings about people, leaders, humans, authorities. We have feelings. But Simon Peter says, out of fear for God, honor the king because you're honoring the king. Now, does that look like this world? No. Let's be honest. How many times does it look like us? Well, not very often unless we have the shepherd guide us in our attitudes and our actions so that we can live as his citizens in this world while we're here. Am I glorifying God? 
Here's the other thing about this passage. As he goes on and he talks about us being this complement. I mean, by the way, there's another issue in here. The world still dealt with things like we deal with it today. Um, he gives Christians a compliment. He says, you are bondservants of Jesus. In other words, Jesus paid such a high ransom and price for your soul. For those of you that truly believe in him as your shepherd, you are bound to him. He is bound to you. You are stitched together. You belong to one another. That's what has happened in your heart. And that's why there's turmoil as you live in this world. It's why you're trying to navigate, how do I respond to this? How do I deal with this? And yet your home is a heavenly home. Your citizenship is a, is a kingdom not of this world. You belong to the good shepherd who wants the best. And therefore, my attitudes, though they want to react, and my actions, though they want to be like this world, uh, something higher has to drive me, and that is the glory of God. Do you realize that we're all servants of someone? Now, think about it. Like, um, I am a servant if I'm a married person in this room or in our online family. Um, if I want a good marriage, I am going to be sensitive, thoughtful, fully engaged and involved in the life of the person to whom I'm committed. If I'm, if I'm a child, if, if, for those of your parents, you're going, I wish, amen to this one, pastor. You want your children to engage with you, to respect you. As the Bible says, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long upon the earth. For this is a commandment with a promise. In other words, you want this mutually beneficial relationship where you can bless your child and, and they can be a blessing to you because there's an attitude of service in your household. Let's take it one step further. Your employment. We all serve somebody in our employment. I mean, here's the thing. I realize that a lot of things have been changed and, and um, you know, a lot of people are out of work. But man, if you have a job or if you're working with somebody um, and you don't think it's important to be servant-minded in that, just go tell them you hate them. I mean, don't do that, by the way. I do not recommend that. But if you do that, you most likely will lose your job. You most likely, if you disrespect your employer enough, um, you'll find yourself without a cause to go to work for. Think about friendships. Friendships are usually all built around an alliance where you have something in common. What breaks up friendships? When you disagree. Think about it. That's how we respond as humans. So how in the world can we rise above all of that when our attitudes and our actions go to the king and we recognize, I'm serving you. Out of fear for you, I'm honoring you and therefore I am going to honor the people. I am going to love the brotherhood. I am going to recognize that I myself am a bondservant to the one who saved my soul and therefore I want to bring you glory in how I live as a stranger and as an alien. While I'm here, I want to do the best I can. Now, let's be really honest right now. It's a good question to guide our attitudes and our actions, but I want to be really clear. God's going to get his glory. 
There's nothing that you or I can do to keep God from getting his glory. He will get it whether we choose to be a part of it or not. But that's the issue. Do I want to be a part of what he's doing in this world? Or I just want to do it my way? And the attitudes and actions reflected by that question, am I bringing glory to God? That's when we become clear in our allegiance of where our home lies and how we're navigating this world. Let me give you the second question and we'll be done. The second question as I look at the rest of these verses, it can be encompassed in this. Am I following the example of Christ? In my attitudes and my actions, if I want to bring glory to God, am I following the example of Christ? Simon Peter lays out very clearly the example of Christ. Look at what he says. You have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you. So the example of Christ is one of suffering. The example of Christ is one of where he went through difficulties in this world as the Son of God. And he responded to them a very specific way. What way? Who committed no sin nor any deceit. But yet nothing of reviling was found in his mouth. While he was being reviled, he didn't speak back in return. While he was suffering, he didn't utter any threats, but he entrusted himself to him who judges everything the right way. He entrusted himself to God. And so he, Christ, bore our sins in his body on the cross So that we would die to sin. So that sin would not reign over us. And we would learn to live the right way. And then there's this beautiful passage. By his wounds, you are healed. By his sacrifice, you are forgiven. By his stripes, as Isaiah would say in the Old Testament, your soul has been made right with God. Everything right about you that could possibly flow in attitude and actions, it's only because of what Jesus did for you, period. And therefore, how do you navigate this world? How do you solve those issues that wage war against your mind, the challenges of your emotions and your flesh, the desires that you have, the issues that you want to take up in battle? How do you navigate all of that? Am I following the example of Christ? And if you take those two questions and you apply it to most of what we see in our world today, listen, I have feelings. You have feelings. You have circumstances. You have stories. I have circumstances. I have stories. And we can get lost in that. Beloved, as aliens and strangers in this world, do your attitudes and your actions reflect a child of God who is seeking His glory, And following the example of Christ. I'm fascinated by Jesus in this moment that Simon Peter brings up. Because I think about our world today. And and, and the total brokenness that we see on so many fronts. And it honestly, it wages war against my soul. It does. I don't like it. I long for heaven in so many ways like you. I do. But when I look at this and I understand the example of Jesus... 
He's the one that at any point in time, during his time on this earth, could have said enough. Think about it for just a moment. I mean, someone hit him while he couldn't see during his trial and said, Prophesy, teacher. Tell us who hit you. Um, they took the whip and they scourged his back. I mean, so legitimately, he's, he's beaten in such a way where the flesh is torn off of his back. By the way, not for something that he did wrong. I mean, let's, let's look at that because the whole context, again, of thinking about uh, government punishing those who do what is wrong, well, that makes sense, right, if you've done something wrong. Um, but Jesus is a total different scenario, nothing. Nothing wrong his entire life. What did he do? He loved people. He showed people how to live. He showed us how to lead in this world. That's who Jesus was. And in that moment where he's suffering for something he never did, being persecuted for something that was not wrong, think about what the Son of God could have done in that moment. Father, it's too much. Roll it up now. Fire from heaven, end it. These people, I can't believe it. You'll never fix it. You can't solve it. You know, I, I look at that moment in time when Jesus bore in his body all of the effects of this world. I look at that and I think to myself, this thing. If God had another way to fix this world, he could have done it right then. If God had another way to change the hearts, the actions, the attitudes of people, that's when he would have done it. But do you know what God chose to do? God chose to let Jesus suffer. God chose to build his kingdom based on people who would surrender their hearts to him who would realize this world is not my home. And that the way that I change my attitude and my action is by bending that to the shepherd who will guide me in how to live in this world. Because one day, I'm going to see him face to face. That's what Simon Peter knew on the moment that he was also crucified for following Jesus. Not for anything he did wrong, for believing in Jesus. And we live in a world today where, listen... We see things in one way. There are other people in other parts of the world that see things in another way. But there is an answer that goes beyond and above all of that. And that is, beloved, you're aliens and strangers in this world. Pick your issue. There are many of them in Scripture. And quite frankly, there are many of them beyond Scripture. But how do you navigate it? God, you're going to receive glory. But while I'm here, am I bringing you glory through my attitudes and my actions. Help me with that. God, um, you paid the price through Jesus. So, God, it's really hard. But can you help me follow his example in my attitudes and my actions? And that's how you navigate. That's how you live. And that's what Simon Peter gave to believers back then. And it's still true for you and I today. It's still the same. This world is not our home. But we have a place that is. And that's why he would conclude this part by saying, By his wounds, you have been healed. Your issues covered. Your challenges covered. All the things that you walk through that wage war against you, you've been healed. And you used to wander. 
But now return to the shepherd and the guardian of your soul. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus who is an answer beyond anything that we can do ourselves. And heaven is easy because he opened it for us. Let us never forget that. But in the meantime, in these days, guide our attitudes, Jesus, which then affect our actions. Jesus, as our shepherd, guard us and lead us as we follow you. And we thank you that that's who you are for us our Savior, and our Lord. And today, God, for any person who is seeking a life-changing, soul-saving relationship with you in this moment, give them the faith to ask you, Jesus, to save them and become the shepherd and guardian of who they are. God, this world, we thank you for it, but we long for our home. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.